I'm Jennifer Nielsen, and this is Let It Glow, Episode 17, Forgiveness Will Set You Free. Ready, set, glow. Welcome to the Let It Glow podcast, a happy place where you'll learn how to let your soul shine and discover new ways to design your best life. I'm your host, Jennifer Nielsen. Hello, ladies, and welcome to another episode of Let It Glow. Today, we are going to be discussing the power of forgiveness. It truly is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Forgiveness will set you free. And besides, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. So here's the deal. Forgiveness is a complex topic, but I really want to break it down for you today. We will do this by discussing the different angles of forgiveness. The first one that we usually think of is forgiving others, but there are two other forms of forgiveness that often take the back seat that are also important, forgiving yourself and forgiving God. I love this quote by Gandhi, the weak can never forgive. It is an attribute of the strong. So today I brought in one of the strongest people I know, my dear cousin, Amy, and she's going to help me really dig into this topic of forgiveness. So hello, Amy. How are you? Hey, Jen. I'm good. How are you? Good. Do you want to just kind of introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Amy Varney. I'm a mother of seven, soon to be eight in a couple weeks. And um, I'm 41 years old. I teach music and I keep up with the craziness of having seven, almost eight children. Wow, you do a good job juggling. That's all I can say. (laughs) So we're here together because as I have shared with you in past episodes, um, we've just come out of a really difficult trial, literally a trial. And she was one of the victims involved with the case as well. And she agreed to come in today and just share her perspective on this process of forgiveness and where she's at on this journey, because it's a process. So do you want to just share a little bit about that, Amy, before I go on? Sure. Um, With the trial, it was one of the most difficult things other than being abused, Going through that trial was one of the most difficult things personally that I've ever gone through, kids aside, because our children are always harder for us um, than it is for our own personal experiences. But that trial opened my eyes for a lot of things. And when we had the sentencing and we were able to get up and speak, it gave me an insight into my own feelings and into where I'm at in the process of forgiveness on between myself and God and myself and me and myself and my uncle. Okay, because that's interesting because you brought up that me and then my sister, we both mentioned in our victim impact statement that we had forgiven our uncle. Mm -hmm. And that was something that you're not ready to, to say or put out there yet. No, I wasn't ready to say that. I wasn't sure if I was going to get up in sentencing and say anything. I hadn't prepared anything, and that's not like me. I usually like to be very prepared. And um, 
when you got up first, Jennifer, and then you were able to say that this wouldn't define you and standing up against our uncle is what defines us and that you would help share that light and that you were able to forgive him. And then Stacy said the same thing. And then I sat there and I listened and I was impressed. But as I thought about where I was at emotionally, I knew that that wasn't something I could say out loud. I wasn't prepared to say that. And had I said it, I would have been untrue to myself. And I think that's why I think that distinction is so important because there isn't a timeline to forgiveness. And I think this would be a good time for me just to kind of um, insert really what forgiveness is and what it isn't. So um, we'll discuss this, and I want to go deeper into what we were, you know, the, the, the sentencing and all those different angles. But what forgiveness is not, it does not condone what happened. It does not make what happened okay. It does not obligate you to befriend the abuser or the perpetrator. It does not obligate you to associate with the abuser or perpetrator. You do not have to like or agree with what happened. It does not mean that people are not accountable for their actions. And these these were very, very big factors that held me back for a very long time of coming forward and doing what I needed to do because there was so much, I was so mixed up about this. But when I really learned about what forgiveness is, and I'll explain that now, it gave me the freedom and more courage to do what I needed to do. So what forgiveness is, is letting go of your fear, interpretation, and condemnation of what happened, letting go of your condemnation of yourself and others. It frees you from the anger, pain, rage, and trauma that others or the event have imposed on you. It frees you from the judgment and condemnation of others towards you. It releases punishment and restitution to God, and it creates a space for healing. So everything that we have kind of gone through is is taking us down this pathway where we're at now. And there has been healing and all of, you know, along the way, but ultimately it it didn't happen in a short amount of time this process for me at least of forgiveness. And I would say there's some days that's harder than others. But as I kind of read this to you, Amy, what kind of what stands out to you about this in relation to your experiences and how you're feeling? about this whole process? Well, I love that forgiveness does not mean that you condone what's happened because that's a crucial part to be understood. And for me, as I went through counseling, just on this specific trauma for the last five years, there were a lot of different components of forgiveness. Like you said, it's not just forgiving one person. And so that's something that stood out because each of these steps applies towards each category of forgiveness, depending on who you're forgiving. That is a beautiful distinction because I think sometimes we get stuck on the way we think that it should go. And even beating ourselves up, A, for not handling it right, for not doing something sooner, for... A, B, C, D, and E, and I mean, it goes on and on. What we might be supposed to where we are at. Yeah. And that it's just, there's so much baggage around that. Mm -hmm. But I I went through a time when I really was just, 
angry. And I was just, I felt like I wasn't protected by God, by my parents, by my aunts and uncles, the people that I trusted the most. But now that I'm a parent, and there's a very real possibility that my kids may or may not have been affected, I want to give them the same compassion and understanding that I would want for my own children. And so it's just been a it's just been this whole circular like now it's I'm back in that role or in that role of being the parent and the victim. And so it's just there's so much to it. But ultimately the last thing that it says here is, is it creates a space for healing. And ultimately what I want for myself is to feel more whole, more peaceful, and more free, which means I want to be disconnected from this event as much as possible and this person. And the best way to do that is through forgiveness. So let's go back to that sentencing day, Amy. This was a really, I mean, we've been building up to this point for so long. And to finally be able to address the judge and our uncle and our family members without being scrutinized, poked at, having our words twisted on us. Cross-examined. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. But to be able to speak freely. Right. And I think that's what's so wonderful is that your impact statement wasn't any less impactful because you didn't say, I forgive him. Yeah. Kind and of- I couldn't. I couldn't say that. And so when I when I was able to get up and I was able to express that I knew that this abuse had never stopped and express that to the judge, especially that if I could have cleared the room during my testimony, when I was on the stand, because I didn't want people to hear what had happened to me, it was the worst depths of hell. And I didn't want everyone to hear what had happened because I knew they couldn't unhear it. But as I was on the stand going through that for eight hours was terrible. Um, I was able to tell myself that I wasn't the one that had done this. He was the one that had done this and that I was bearing the truth so that it would never happen to anyone ever again. And when I was able to truly feel the truthfulness of that without judging myself or feeling that shame, I feel like that was that last piece of forgiveness of myself because we hold on to the questions of why didn't I come forward sooner? Why didn't my memories come forward sooner? Why didn't I tell someone? And I had to forgive myself completely so that I wasn't judging myself and I wasn't feeling judged by others. And I didn't let that affect me that way. So when I was able to talk to the judge and and thank the judge for his time and his due diligence, as well as the amazing jury that we were blessed with, and the truth that came out with the verdict and the sentencing. It was very freeing. And being true to myself and not acknowledging that I had forgiven him because I hadn't, that was freeing as well. I was okay. I wondered how I would feel when I sat down, but I knew I couldn't say it because I knew it wasn't true. I love that because that just shows you really where you are on the journey. And Chiko Okasaki said something really powerful about this. She said, if you forgive before you are ready, you will slow down the healing process. And really, if we look at everything that happens to us as 
a learning process and what we're supposed to, to gain through that. If we try to rush past certain steps or not acknowledge the way that we're really feeling, we're not really allowing the healing process to do its job. And and there's another quote by her name is Judy Belmont. And she says, forgive yourself for not having the foresight to know what now seems obvious in hindsight. It's kind That's of, a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> because really, I've, I've have had to live with that reality that certain steps that I took and didn't take, the byproduct of that was other people were hurt. But ultimately, none of this is on us. We did not hurt people. We weren't the one causing the pain. And even here, you and I discussing this today, not everyone's comfortable to do what we're doing. And it's hard for me knowing that people don't receive what I'm trying to do in the way that I want it to be received. But ultimately, and what I shared in my impact statement, is that I will never be silenced again. My silence and my inability to speak the truth not only caused me more pain, but it caused everyone more pain. And by not discussing it, it's almost as if I'm saying that I have something to be ashamed of or something to hide, and I don't. So Amy... There's just so much that we can talk about here, but what are some of your thoughts about the kind of the aftermath after the sentencing? First, we need to say one thing. (laughs) After all of this process, years and years of getting to this point, my uncle ended up getting 402 years in prison. (laughs) The highest number, like the highest possible amount of time he could be given. And I think ultimately that happened because... Up until the very end, he was projecting guilt and blame onto us, that we were the ones that were the hypocrites and that we weren't Christ-like and that we weren't being honest and all of these things. And I think the greatest ability is to forgive someone you'll never get an apology from. And we'll never get that from him. He'll never admit guilt. Never. And so to be able to to look at him in the very end, the last time I'll ever have to see him and have a kind of zero emotion towards him because really, in the end, I pity him in a way because he's where he's at and I'm free. And I will be happy and I will have joy and I will make a difference in this world. I will take the pain from this and I will find purpose in that. And as I talk about it in just a, in a little bit later in the podcast, I have some steps that we can take to help us forgive. And I, that's one of them. Anyway, so Amy, kind of share with me your thoughts and feelings about right now, how you're doing, where you're at. I'm, I'm doing much better than I even was at sentencing. And that's due to a few things. Um, one of the most validating statements came after our uncle was able to get up and he was supposedly addressing the court but he ended up pretty much calling each of us out by name and then listing all the reasons why our memories were false. It was terrible. And the mentioning of different church things, and it was just on such a number of levels, almost blasphemous. It was just terrible. And I kept thinking, he can't have the last word please someone else speak. I can't have his words in my head at the very end. And he didn't get the last word. 
the judge, before he did sentencing, was able to say, I have done and learned a lot of things about your religion, and I'm not casting judgment on any religion whatsoever, but for you, and he was addressing our uncle, for you to use God and religion as a sword and a cover-up to be able to abuse your victims is the height of blasphemy, and I am personally offended. And then he went on to add the maximum number of aggravated charges to each count of those 17 counts. And I wish I would have recorded that because I would love to play that back over and over and over in my head to have the judge who was completely black and white and had been very fair and very impartial through the entire process. Almost to a point where we're getting frustrated because it seemed that our uncle was had more rights and privileges than we did. Exactly. But in the end, the, some of the things that he eliminated from the trial ended up being a blessing for us. And yes. that was a really big eye-opening moment for me, too. I agree. So, okay, there's so much that we can discuss here. But one thing I do kind of want to just take a, a quick detour, and then we'll come back to this. I love this quote by Lewis Smedes. It says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free, and that prisoner was you. Now, ironically, my husband, for um, in our church, we have callings, and his calling is to work in the prison with convicted sex offenders. Many of them are pedophiles. And when this came about, we were brought in and asked if we were okay with this. And Talon had the option to say yes or no, and I was part of that consideration. And we didn't say yes right away. It took us a few days to come to the decision that this is something that he should do. But it's been fascinating to learn the other side of this. He goes every week, and he spends an hour or so with these men. He drives an hour to Florence— he spends time teaching with them. He's, he's amongst them. The same kind of men that did the things to other individuals that, that were done to me and to Amy. And it just seems there's been many people that have said, I, I don't know how you can do that. Why? It just doesn't make sense. But I really trust in the learning process and what we're supposed to learn from all this. Because it's not my place to cast judgment or condemnation on my uncle or anyone else. Because I need forgiveness and I need um, kindness from others, and for you know ultimately that forgiveness from others. But one thing that Towns really learned from this is the ones that acknowledge what they have done, that are working towards getting forgiveness from others and restitution, are the ones that are more at peace. And again, it just goes back to this concept that forgiveness is the best gift we can give ourselves. And it's hard. It is so difficult. And it, it doesn't, there's not one right or wrong way to do this. But I just wanted to share a few quick steps on how to do this. The first thing is, is to uncover what is going on. Be honest with yourself. Assess the full damage. 
And Amy, I just wanted you to kind of explain this because you talked about this a little bit earlier, how you were able to really identify how hard it was. So with all the different areas of forgiveness, I had to first identify what it is that I was affecting me the most and where I was at. And as an adult, remembering things that had happened as a child, the first thing that you want to do is cast blame on everyone who should have protected you, like you had said earlier, God and your family and aunts and uncles. And, you know, why? Why was this allowed to happen? And so as I went through that healing process, you know, I spent some serious time. It probably took the better part of a year to get through the process of forgiving God for allowing it to happen. And it took so long for me, at least it felt long, because I was kind of at war with myself. The adult me was like, of course, God doesn't have control over our free agency. And so these terrible things that happen to us, and that also the things that happen in the world that are terrible, that people question and say, how could God allow this to happen? He does not have control over our agency. We've been blessed with that gift, and some people use it in a terrible way. And so the adult me understands that. The three, four, five-year-old me didn't care. I didn't want that to happen. But I think, too, just allowing yourself the time to work through that and to really assess the full damage is so important. Because then, number two, is we can choose to forgive. We may not be able to choose what happened to us. In fact, we didn't in this case. And in a lot of cases, right? Right. <laughs> Life is full of crap sandwiches, as my husband calls them. Yes. But we always have the option to choose forgiveness, to choose the way that we handle it. And so that's a very important step. But we first have to acknowledge and uncover what happened. Right. So the third step is to work at your own pace. And this just takes me back to what we discussed earlier, where you're, you're on this process still of forgiveness, and that's right. okay. Yeah. And there's no timeline. It is a process. And the number four is to let it go and to move on. And this is also really interesting because everyone has a different version of what this looks like. Right. Because we've forgiven doesn't mean we're going to forget, obviously. Our brains are programmed to remember in order for us to learn. And Amy and I have had many discussions on the, all the different things that we've learned from this. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But the idea is to not ruminate on the negativity and on, the, on what's not effective and not helping us. But remembering is part of the learning process. And so there's just remember, not ruminate. Forgiveness is not earned. It is given, and God can help us to do this. And the final one, number five, is really why Amy and I are sitting in this room right now talking about something that is very uncomfortable to a certain degree. I'm getting more and more comfortable with it, but is to discover the purpose and meaning in what you have been through. That has been the single most healing factor for me is finding that purpose and working through my own pain, because now I've been there, and I can help other people too. And that is my greatest motivation, 
to keep going and to keep speaking and talking about this because I've had an outpouring of love and feedback and support and people that have been helped because of what I've been able to do. Amy, do you want to share your thoughts on any one of these steps? Um, I recognize that the more open that I am, I'm always surprised by people's reactions. So I teach music and I did not tell my music families. I have 38 music students and I didn't tell any of the families what was going on with the trial. I was still in that mode of wondering how their reactions would be and not wanting to face that judgment because I was still unsure of where I was with my feelings towards myself. And like I said earlier, it really wasn't until I was on the stand that I fully and completely forgave myself, let go of the shame, let go of the guilt, let go of all of those feelings. And we were supposed to have the trial in September. Everything was arranged. All our ducks were in a row. Kids were arranged. And it didn't happen. And Jennifer, you addressed that on one of your previous podcasts. And so when we had to move the time frame to January, it really messed up my schedule as far as music, because then I was taking two breaks during the semester, one for the trial and one to have this baby that's coming in a couple of weeks. And that's really hard to juggle and I was really worried how I was going to fit that in. And I had a few moms that had asked me why they why I couldn't be on a different jury and they had just assumed that that's what was happening. And so I corrected them and I said, actually, I'm one of the victims against my uncle with some of my cousins. And we've been working on this case for a long time. And they cried and they hugged me. And they told me how sorry they were that I'd been through that. They were amazingly supportive to the point where I recognized all those that had been put in my path that I was blessed with to have that support from people I had normally been not scared of, but reserved to share something so personal and so deep. And I ended up with my entire music studio and the parents, the kids didn't know what was going on. That I didn't feel like that would be appropriate, but the parents knew and they were very supportive. How can we help? What can we do? I had one mom that brought dinner to our family and just little things of text messages. You're in our prayers, those things from people that I wasn't wanting to burden them with what had happened to me. But as I've been able to open my mouth and be able to share what's happened, I've been amazed by the number of people who have not only been affected by the same or similar types of things to them personally or to family members or friends. It's so much more common, this sexual abuse and the pedophile and all these things than I would have ever thought possible. And what keeps going through my mind is that you wouldn't have had those experiences if you hadn't have really been able to go down that path of forgiving yourself. 
Because if you were still in that place of shame and embarrassment and not wanting to talk about it, you would actually have been cutting yourself off from the blessings and the support. And for me, that has just been what's so powerful because I've that, that self-forgiveness has been a big deal, very, very hard. But but the reward I give myself is being able to speak about it openly because I feel free in being able to do that. And I've received similar kindness and support from other people. And it's just really helped, has really helped me get through this. And really, what it comes down to is bringing light onto a very dark circumstance. And Martin Luther King Jr. said it best, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So again, the whole idea is to have more light and love in our lives. And forgiveness will help us to do that. Because remember, we're all imperfect. And at some point, we're all going to be on both sides of the forgiveness, needing to forgive and needing to be forgiven. And so any final thoughts, Amy, before we bring this podcast to a close? One thing that has helped me the most, and I feel like I'm becoming that much closer to being able to fully forgive our uncle for what he's done, was a meeting that I had with one of our church leaders. He had called me in and asked if I would write an impact statement um, to be read um, for a church hearing. Um, because the state does theirs and then the church does theirs. And when we were in there, he asked how I was feeling and, you know, what the process had been like for me. And as I recounted that between the trial and the verdict and then the sentencing, I told him that, that I couldn't have said the words that I forgive him. And that, that was hard for me. I wanted to be able to be there, but I just wasn't. And he looked me straight in the face and he said, I want to be very clear and I want you to hear me. What was done to you is unforgivable. You do not have to forgive what was done to you. There are just certain things that should never happen. And this is that. This falls into that category. He said, now when you're ready, and that may take a lifetime, then you can address whether or not you are able to forgive your uncle's choice in the actions that he took, but you never have to forgive the actions. I love that distinction. And we did talk about that a little bit earlier when it doesn't mean that we have to condone or minimize or whitewash what happened. Exactly. And I think... For both of us, where we tend to err on the side of being positive, I say err on the side because that's part of what got us into the situation is not wanting to address and see the negative or what was really going on. But in acknowledging the pain and the difficulty, I choose to still be positive. I don't choose to have a blind eye, but I choose to be positive. And that's really what this all boils down to. Because forgiveness is not easy. I know but you can always look to God to help you forgive the unforgivable. It doesn't mean the act never happened, 
Forgiveness demands that we forever act as though it did happen and that we choose to forgive. It's not for the other person. It's for you. Forgiveness will set you free. Thank you for tuning in today. And thank you, Amy, for being my guest. Thanks for having me. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to the Let It Glow podcast. If you enjoyed this show, share the love with a friend. This podcast can be found on iTunes or subscribe on my website at www.let-it-glow.com. And remember, let go and let it glow.